Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a new partner, Arostia, a new coffee roaster based in Queens. This company was created by and is run by a huge fish fan, Andy Hollander, who hasn't caught a hold your head up since 12, 15, 95, but is definitely not bitter about it. I've had this coffee and it's really great. Andy started roasting coffee during the pandemic, taught himself, and then that turned into this label, Arostia, which launched late last year. I had a bag of the Ethiopian coffee and it was gone really quickly because I liked it so much and I drank a lot of it and I need more. The beans were grown at an altitude of 2,100 meters above sea level, which contributes to a dense bean that continues to develop its flavors after the roasting process is done. The tasting notes include apple, raisin, and caramel, and there are more coffees coming very soon. So support this fan-owned business and try the coffee today. And for Osiris listeners, there's a 10% discount code on the site. Use the code OSIRIS at checkout for 10% off your order, and stay tuned for the launch of a coffee subscription. You can order and sign up for the mailing list at arostia.com. That's A-R-O-A-S-T-I-A.com. And you can find Arostia on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks, Arostia. Osiris. All right, guys, we're live. We are here. Oh. Um, well, I think we're here. Are you guys here? Are we here? I'm here. Yeah, hi, we're here. I'm, I'm still sure in we're 2023, here. guys. Just hanging out. <laughs> I don't want to go into 2024. You're already there, Brian. You're already mm. there. Today, today, guys, we're here to talk about the top-rated fish show of all time. And <laughs> oh, the fact that this... I wait. I didn't. I I didn't listen to Big Cypress. No. Week. Well. Yeah, listen. I'm confused. I didn't know we were doing twelve thirty ninety seven. People, this is weird. people That's broke set closing twenty minute mic song. My God, guys. He, <laughs> people broke. People broke fish.net. People broke our hotline. So it was so. Everything was so messed up. Look, and Maya, this is my daughter, Maya, who's watching. Hey, hey, Maya. Send um, it. Hey, Maya. Send it. I love it. Great so name. good. Okay. Um, all right. So we're going to talk about the MSG run and why everyone broke everything in the in the in response. Um, first, I have to say that I, I want to give a 
quick plug that um, the Fish Studies Conference, our, a bunch of our friends are participating in that. It's May 19th, 17th and 19th, 2024 at Oregon State University. Again, it's going to feature a keynote speech by New York Times bestselling author, artist manager, and co-host of the Undermine podcast, Benji Eisen, um, and a bunch of other stuff. And um, of course, Stephanie Jenkins, who's the the organizer has put together a really cool um, really cool agenda but there's also a call for presentations art and performances fishstudies.net so we'll talk about that again but um, a few of those folks are people who've been on this show and um, you know there's fish studies happening we're gonna do our diff- a different kind of fish study here but there is a fish studies conference um, guys we are in 2024. We've, we've said this before, but we're going to run down the top 25 tours of all time. We have the voting still happening up until January 12th. If you want your input um, inputted, then respond by January 12th, because that's when we're going to close it. And then we're going to take your input and we're going to do something with it that is yet to be determined. But we will do Stuff something with it. that ballot box. Science. That's what box. fish fans we're do. Gonna, so do go science. ahead. We have There's science. It's going to be done. We have we hundreds throw out all the ballots, but stuff it. Guys, we have hundreds. We have hundreds and hundreds so of exciting. responses already. Okay. So all right. Would you mind telling us what the twenty-three most voted tour is, just to get kind of an idea about the mood out there? The twenty-third out of twenty, mm-hmm. what's number twenty-three out of twenty-five? Yeah. I'm just curious what people are saying. Yeah, I mean, I could do that. I can definitely do that. Um <laughs> Let me just uh, run the, I just got to call the intern quickly. Um, Okay. So, but seriously, I do have to create a spreadsheet to get the responses, but um, (laughs) let's just, let's just, I want to talk about something. I want to talk about something and ask you guys a question. I saw something today that was shared with, by one of my friends, one of my dear friends, who's a very great person and um, acts like a lunatic on the internet. But um Someone okay, posted on so, yeah, someone posted down. on Twitter that if you say that you don't regret going to New Year's Eve, you are lying. And and I just want to I just want to preface this with my own perspective, and then ask you guys what you think. Which is, Wait, can can I ask you to just to if you say that you don't regret, so it's suggesting that you everybody does, but they may yeah. be yeah. lying about it. Okay, yeah. I just wanted to understand. And if you. That. If you if you say that you have no problem missing the show, then you're just you're just saying that to make yourself feel better. But you actually do regret missing the show. Oh, okay. See, so I misunderstand that. Hmm. So I was never okay. I was never going to this show. Like I never I've only I've only seen one New Year's show in 28 years of seeing fish, and I just New Year's Eve is not a thing I do. And I kind of knew what was happening, especially lead, in the couple of days leading up. And I don't have any regrets. What? Sorry. Go do on. you? I don't have any regrets. My only fish regret, honestly, is missing Big Cypress. <laughs> so that's yeah, still that's my a, biggest that's one you should regret. definitely regret. Do you guys have regrets about not putting things aside or making plans or going to this concert? Yeah, no. similar to you, RJ, I didn't have any plans to go. I always spend New Year's Eve with my family, and I've only seen a few New Year's shows, and they're always fun, but I don't love being out in New York City on New Year's Eve. It's it's not really my vibe, but I, and I kind of had a feeling this was going to happen too, but I was okay missing it. It was fun to watch at home. I think it was hard to know that you miss something that you've been waiting for a long time, but I don't have that kind of like rabid chasing 
songs or events anymore with fish. I feel like I'm so immersed in it that I just enjoy what I get. I feel like I see a lot of fish and I don't know, the things that I've caught that felt really special to me, I didn't know they were going to be that way. And then they were. And that's kind of how I feel about fish. It's not the kind of like, you have to be at that show to have an amazing experience at fish. It's more like you're at a show. It's an incredible show. You'll remember that forever as opposed to chasing certain events. And yeah, the only show I really have FOMO for is Big Cypress too. (laughs) And maybe like the number show in Vegas or just some random shows that I'm like, I wish I was like in the room dancing to that. But yeah, I don't know. I was fine. I guess I'm lying to myself, but it was fun to miss it. I had my first kid in 1996. And um, since that time, long time ago, I learned that you can't see every show. And I really, there have definitely been a couple like, oh, darn, that would have been great to see. And this past New Year's is certainly one of those. But I don't regret them. It's just, this is this is my life. Uh, and so, yeah, it's cool. I got to see what last New Year's, and that was great. And, you know, eh, sometimes you see them, sometimes you don't. Um, and I had a pretty good seat at home watching it on the webcast. Not the same as being there, of course. Acknowledged. But uh, your your bathroom line was real short. Did you count it toward your stats, Jonathan? (laughs) No. No, I didn't. Couch door stats. (laughs) Brian, what do you what do you have? I'm in the same boat with you guys. I I think the only you know, there yes, there are shows that I could have been at that I didn't go to. This was never a show I was ever gonna have a chance to go to. I traveling to New York City over the holidays with two small kids is not really a thing that is gonna happen in my life at this point in time. So um, I'm pretty cool. Uh, watching the stuff from home. Um, I think the biggest fish regret I have is I had a chance to go to one 1.0 show and I didn't go. And I had no Lame. idea. Like I wasn't a fish fan. I just like had a friend from high school offer me that. Like that would have been cool to have that one show and see them in that setting. But that's life. That's kind of, you know, I can't really choose when I was born. So I, I got to see fish when I saw them. Once I saw like, the fuck your face show like that was the first show where i was like okay i get why people say you have to be there for some of these and i've yep. seen a bunch of shows like mm-hmm. that since then um where it's like you're there and there's like this level of energy that just like seeps through the room and it's coming home but like being there there's just something that you will hold on to for the rest of your life um but fish now they bring everything to us. It's like watching sports for me. I don't really go to a lot of sports games, but I love watching sports because everything comes home. Uh, You know, you're absolutely right, Jay. That, that was, I, I shed some tears when Albuquerque was played in Chicago. My God. I Um, mean, come on. You fucked up on that one, dude. Well, I didn't have, uh, (laughs) life has been crazy the last four or five months. I had no chance of, of, of going home, going back to Chicago at that point in time. But like, yeah, seeing it in the United Center, that was insane. No, short answer, I do not have any regrets. And your beautiful friend who's a psychopath on the internet is absolutely wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, it wasn't him. Um, It wasn't him who said it. He just sent me something that someone else said. I don't don't know what it Um, well, this is this is kind of an interesting comment too. It says, "I'm a new fan. Two years of feverish listening. I appreciate the story and lore of the man who stepped into yesterday, but a really jammy normal night has more replay value for me personally." And 
it's definitely something we've been talking about too, because I agree in that sense of seeing a show that doesn't have a gag or a gimmick is definitely, but that is amazing. And that is transcendent. And the music just takes you to another level for me is almost more special in a way because it, it's not planned. It's not a big production. It's not something that like they're leading up to. And that is, kind of enhanced by something special, like a gag or a gimmick. And I'm not saying that this wasn't incredible because I'm going to spend about probably 90 minutes going on about how fucking awesome I think this show was. But um, I agree with this. I think that when you hit a night like a 123097 or, you know, the Chula to show in 21, where just the music is so incredible, that to me feels like the real magic in a lot of ways. I mean, that's, I think, why, and we're going to talk about this, like, why yeah. we, some of us value 1230 more than 1231 in most years. Yeah. And this year, probably different in that sort of standpoint. But I, I, I agree, like, missing a big jam, like, no, I don't want to say that. Keep going. Um, I mean, it's always nice. To be <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. Look, let's let's all agree. It's always nice when you're there. There's nothing wrong with yeah. ever being there. And it, it can it be beat? Probably not, but uh, is it the end of the world? Better not well, be, man. <laughs> if that's the, if it's the end of your world that you didn't see that show, take a breath. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, like perspective. But the other thing I'll say, like to your point, like my eight-year-old son was sitting next to me throughout the entirety of Game Henge reading The Fish Companion as I like – showed him my favorite shows and he was reading set lists and reviews. Like that is Aww. legitimately one of the greatest moments of my entire life. And being like, dude, they're playing game hinge for the first time since July 8th, 1994. And him doing the math of how long it's been and how long they were banned then and figuring that out. Like I would never trade that experience for anything, even if I could have been there. Well, this is how nerds are born. That's so sweet. hundred <laughs> percent. Totally. That is, really, story. That's awesome. <laughs> that is really nice. Um, That's amazing. I'm just so, it's just wonderful to hear all your stories. Do you um, regret it, RJ? No, not at all. I, I, but I like, no, not at all. Um, and I just want to say that 1994 to, today is the same amount of years as 1929 was to 1958. So I just want to like put that into perspective <laughs> for you guys. <laughs> just think about Wow. Think is about, that true? Holy shit. I'm going to take my Geritol now. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Good God. So can we talk about this? Depression, about World War, <laughs> roaring economy. My, God, my parents were born. <sighs> Matt Higgins is back for a double, a double comment. Um, Let's not forget yeah, about that, Matt. We're oh, going to talk about we're that. We're going to get to that. that. Um, I just want to talk about... I just want to talk about the fishnet ranking fiasco, which is... Um, okay, so here's 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 what happened, if you guys don't know. They, um, they being fishnet, shut down the, the rating system. So if you want to go, if, if you were planning to spend tonight going through and rating all the fish shows you've been to, you're going to have to find something else to do because it's, <laughs> it's currently shut down and um, it's shut down because, and they put a, they put a very uh, like explanatory blog post up today, which is a great, it's like the nerdiest way to explain anything. It's like, let me tell you why we, why we took this ranking system down and there's like 10 charts and I couldn't really understand any of it, but I understood that there were many more, um, ratings you know that were like people would go in and rate big cypress as one star to get 
or to, you know, one out of five to get the twelve thirty one show into the number one spot. So here are my here are my quick things. You might be a MAGA chud if <laughs> I think that. Okay, there's two. so first of all to think that rating art is so important that there's like a very specific way that you have to do it. And there are time periods when you can do it and can't do it to me will never like cease to amaze me about fish fans that there is like this very scientific and, you know, really like well thought through process about how to rate a concert. I just think that's like a hilarious (laughs) idea in the first place that there is a right way to rank a subjective live music experience is, is funny to me, but also, and I love everyone who runs that site and I help out with a lot of stuff. This is like, people are paying attention to this and people are looking at fishnet and people are going there to vote or look at it or see what's happening. And I just, I think there's like an opportunity to keep people coming back to the site by continuing to let people rate it. Or maybe there's like a new way. I don't know. Maybe there's like a something else that people can, can weigh in on. But um, I just think there's, I think it's a funny thing that kind of captures how ridiculous we are as a fan base that there even is this system in the first place and that it had to be taken offline because, <laughs> yeah. because of abuse. abuse. I, mean, I just think I, it's kind I, of ridiculous. And don't you think it would all nice work things. itself out in the end? Like, don't you think it would all even out eventually? Like pe- people would relax. Yeah, the voting. It's a long change. game. I mean, it's a long I think game. It's a long game. And I also think it's kind of, yeah, it's fun. It's controversy. I would think you want that in a site and, yeah, I'm surprised they shut it down, but I think it's hilarious. I mean, the hotline, that was a joke that I said that the hotline was being abused, but we've got a lot of support. So um, people, so don't abuse my it. joke did not land. Uh, I tried to use the same language of the fish.net language, but apparently did not land. I mean, well, apparently there are people like creating like new accounts and like, like mm. things will if, if everybody just used their regular account and they, okay, you want to vote one star to big Cypress because, but you're, you know, with your regular account, it probably wouldn't be so wildly skewing numbers. Ultimately it wouldn't matter. I mean, I don't even rate shows that much because I find the system is kind of flawed. I don't really like ranking or rating at all, but I did, I will admit as you guys, we were talking about watching the rankings Twitter, go up and down i did go in like five star big cypress because come on um and i was there i feel like i have a right to say something about it um but i did not by the way vote for 1231 2023 yet because just because i didn't not because i had anything against it just because i i'm not ready to make that call as i it same goes for all of like nine one thousand nine hundred and seventy five other shows that i haven't voted for one way or the other um people just need to like chill out like the show be excited it's great i love that it's exciting people but like come on good beating yeah. up this system yeah i mean i think about it like you you said something rj about like there being a right way or a wrong way to rate or rank subjective art i think that like the thing people get so crazy about is that like if this is rated at this point it means that i had a better experience when like your experience is your experience and 
like to me as someone who loves rating and ranking stuff, I do it more as like an organizational way of like, how did this sound to me? How did this make me feel? What does this make me think about this band? At the end of the day, it's subjective. I'm in like an extended nerdy thread with two of our favorite listeners, Ryan Storm and Justin Bruce, where we go through and like compare, like, where's, what are your five favorite jams of the year? What are yours? What does this mean? What does this say about you, the way you listen to music? I, I, I think almost a fish.net, the way that I think of, I started using this site this year um, called Letterboxd because I got really big into watching movies and there's a rating system and there's a ranking system and there's a list system and there's a review option. At the end of the day, I use that site to like keep organized what movies I've watched, what I felt about those movies, what they made me feel in the moment. And I feel like fish.net is the same way. I, I think like, yeah, you're going to see this spike in people saying, well, let's downvote big Cypress. Let's upvote this. But like over time, as you guys said, that's going to work itself out. And wouldn't this be a great opportunity to like throw a donate to the mockingbird foundation up on the site and be like, Hey, yeah. yeah, everyone's here. Why don't yeah, you give exactly. five bucks while you say that a show from 2023 is the best fish has ever sounded or played or compiled the set list or all those other amazing but ridiculous things that people are doing because fish gave us one of the most joyful experiences ever. It's certainly a good opportunity right now. Get out, Glenn. To say. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's or, great. I think that's great. Really a good time for us to say. I think now if you're, to our listeners, go yeah. and donate to the Mockingbird Foundation. Yes, because those guys who run that site are having a, you're giving them a headache, or maybe not you personally, but somebody is because they are all volunteers, and it is a great thing that they keep running for us, and they're going to work out a way to bring ratings back. Uh, but is it a headache? I I think I it's think a headache. Like it. I think, I think they like no. To I do think it, that though, too. I think they wouldn't think do it if they didn't like it. Thing, there's a there's a this incident to it is a headache. Yeah, but it's yeah. also exciting, and I think that's at the bottom line. What this is all about is that this band in their 41st year can get their fan base so engaged and excited that they that a lot of people think they just put on their best show ever. Like that is. That is exciting, well, but well, it's well, causing it, somebody to have a headache, and that's why they had to kill the ratings. But I mean, it's but like, that both things. That is the point. Like the the. The whole idea of a site like this is communication and debate mm -hmm. and like engagement. And this, I, I don't want to get us too much too far down a track because I feel like we could just stay here too for late. the whole episode. Too late. Sorry. <laughs> but like, um, I was listening to uh, a podcast about music the other day, uh, the IndieCast podcast, and Stephen Hyden was Fair talking point, about yeah. how, um, how interesting it is that like, certain artists get renewed and revitalized by a younger generation versus how they were discussed in a previous era. And he was talking about the Smiths versus the cure and that the, the Smiths have almost been canceled at this point because Morrissey's a prick, but Robert Smith from the cure is amazing. He's like a great interview. They played great music, but like as a result, their music has um, uh, been elevated over the Smiths versus what it looked like in the 1980s. And I almost think we're seeing that with fish right now where you have these younger fans who rightly or wrongly aren't like either aren't going back and like experiencing the nineties, uh, the way that a lot of us did when we first got into fish, either because like we had to, or because that was when you got into the band and are hearing a show like 12, 31, 23 and being like, I don't know how this band could play any better. I don't know how a better concert mm. could ever happen. 
is that right? Is that wrong? Who knows? Like it's the experience in the moment. The fact that this band is still giving people that type of sensation and that type of sentiment is a huge thing. I almost like to put a pin in this right there because that is great. But we have like hey, that's three other job. shows to talk about. Nice. Hey, that's my, that's what I've been I was here about long to enough. Say. I can yeah, jump that's in. True. That's true. Um, <laughs> Basho, okay. Basho it is. It's my, my, my favorite painting ever. Thank you. Wow. Look at that. And, and we wow. didn't even know, many of us didn't know that there was a Blakesburg on the wall behind Megan until recently. Many, many, many people. Um, okay. So <laughs> I would just keep the ratings open and and it'll all work out over time and Donate money to Mockingbird. Okay. 1228 is the first show. <laughs> and just like, boom. We're going to get in, through this in, in like two minutes. Don't worry, y'all. <laughs> we'll get back to New Year's in a bit. In, in looking at the whole run, I think it's kind of strange that I think musically, 1228 might be the best, my favorite show of the run musically. Mm-hmm. I think there's amazing mm-hmm, communication. The, the gin is like the gin and the ghost, that combo to end set one. Yeah is really pretty awesome. And then this huge wave of hope where they're, I don't even know what's happening, but they keep like switching on a dime to different ideas over and over. And, and then there's this Mike simple, like there's a lot of really good music in this show that I think is um, really interesting. I think it's the most interesting like improv of the, of the run, but I think, you know, I would, I would go rate it, but I can't. So guys, what do you, <laughs> what are your, <laughs> let it go. <laughs> we have a full we have a full segue fest in set two the howling into wave of hope into rift which is always so odd in the middle of a second set into mike's song into symbol into blazon and then those two big jams in, in the first set i thought that was a really really strong start so that's my summary of night one what do you what do you guys got uh i'm i'm on pretty much the same page with you i think as we talk about um as we get into the uh uh, the next night, 1229, that had my favorite music in it. But I think as a full show in terms of flow, in terms of set list, in terms of limited lulls in the overall show, um, outside of the 31st, 1228 had it. And you're absolutely right. The gin goes to end it. Neither one strays super far from the song itself. We don't really get into like full type two territory, but similar to the Mike song in the second set, we just hear a band that is like excited to play and has these new ideas that don't totally diverge from the path, but really don't need to. Um, I feel like we talked about this with <clears throat> maybe the Blazon and the Hartford show in our last 40 for 40 that like, you know, Sometimes a jam doesn't necessarily need to modulate into a different key or go into a completely different tempo to spend 15 minutes in a cool zone. And I felt like the gin and the ghost really did that in set one. Um, set two, uh, this, um, sorry, I'm just pulling up the set list again. This wave of hope, it, we've had a lot of really good wave of hopes in the last two years. We've been really, really lucky. This is, I was talking to a friend about it today just how amazing it is that you know why fish is moving forward obviously they looked backwards in a really cool way on new year's but i think we've all agreed like the new songs are the reason for it and a song like a wave of hope starts up out of a new song like the howling i know how we all reacted at home like it started and we were like oh my god here we go we're jumping into a jam already they played i i think the two best wave of hopes exactly five months apart in the same building 
and two are completely <laughs> different jams. The one that op- that is the second song from the residency is just like pure hose, pure excitement, pure joy. Holy crap, we're here for the next week. This one is super dark, grimy. It's got a really weird segment of jamming kind of midway through. Then it shifts into this very power heavy sort of jam segment. And it's kind of this classic second set where you get on the back end, Mike song, as I noted, really, really cool jamming within it, even though it didn't go outside the box. Simple gets kind of dark and weird. Blaze on ends on a high note. And then we get a five, four, four song encore that uh, is a pretty rare thing. So I'll, I'll stop and turn it to you guys, but really, really enjoyed this show as a way to open. I think that um, I'm going to work backwards a little bit because I, I want to start with your comment about Mike's song. I think Mike's song does get nicely out of the box in that, and they don't do the second jam. They do a first jam, but um, Trey starts playing with his echoes and, and, and gets just like builds up this, like to this great little weird ass peak in that jam. That is just, it's one of my favorite things of the night. Um, and then, Same. then they close out Mike's song. They start simple, and I, I know I texted you guys. I almost turned it off because, of course, it's not hydrogen, and I was like, "God damn it!" But I didn't. And the simple is good too. It actually goes to similar spaces. It feels like once they get past the song, they're just continuing the vibes that they had in Mike's song, and uh, and then and then it lands and blaze on, which is a little weird, unexpected. A lot of people are like, "Why not Weekapog?" Well, because it's not. Um, and even Blaze On has this like this jam that reminds me a bit of Plasma, and um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not the only time of the run that it feels like Trey might be thinking about Plasma, even if he's not actually going to go to the song. Interesting that it wasn't played, um, but uh, really like that. Uh, and then the first set, I'm jump back to the first set. I would say Haley's has a nice little jam in there. Haley's breaks out just a little totally. bit, some micro jam perhaps, but it's, you know, good sign of, I think things to come. The, um, the bath of gin ghost stuff, kind of like what you said, Brian, it's very like type one and a half, you know, it's a little like hose jammy. It doesn't modulate, but they both rip bath of gin, like really really rips and then drops in a ghost and it's just a few minutes in ghost trey just switches on the nasty tone i don't know what mm-hmm. button that is but he's got it he should just label it as nasty and it's just like it's <laughs> wonky and then it just and then it goes tearing off into like kind of a one and a type one and a half hose jam just roaring to the end of the set almost Lots a new one Almost yeah, yeah, there's no a little man, tease no of no men uh, mm-hmm. right at the very end, um, which I felt a couple times listening to this show that maybe Trey had been informed about some of our conversation at the end of the 40 for 40 because they call out a couple of the things that we talked about, like reprising stuff late in the show from earlier in the set where they play a big wave of hope. They land in a blaze on out of a big jam sequence, like all of these things we had just talked about earlier in the week happened in this show and uh and i know trey's not listening but uh i like that it just kind of bubbled up right or, or is he or is he or is he he's got better <laughs> things to do um and uh, I mean, i've been on record that they should put a rhombus around them at all times so yeah exactly so um anyways <laughs> i really like this show megan you were at this show right 
No, I went the next night, no, which when it happened, yeah, uh, I went the next two nights. And when it happened, I was like, oh, great. If this show's good, <laughs> are they really going to be able to keep this juice up till 1230? And uh, they weren't really. But this show <laughs> I thought was excellent. That's about foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah, a little foreshadowing there. Um, I thought the show was great. And if you want to hear a fun recap that I got to do with Benji Eisen and Mike Greenhouse from Relics, you can see that it's in our feed. Um, we got to do a fun live show at Hill Country Barbecue. It was really fun. But um, yeah, this show, you know, it's really interesting. I think there's really strong playing throughout, really great set listing, like you guys have mentioned, opening with No Men, you know, fourth time it's ever opened a show, just coming out with one of their big songs, I think is kind of like a power move. And I felt like the whole first set had a really strong, energized feeling to it. I thought the gym had some really beautiful playing, especially by Paige. Trey was doing like really complex runs and playing with a lot of control. I thought Trey is Trey's like dexterity and tempo throughout the whole run was just really top shelf and incredible. And yeah, I thought the last 30 minutes of this set were just so strong and you've got to be feeling good with this gin and this ghost. And then the second set, I know some of you are not fans of the howling, but if you are going to put it anywhere, opening set two, I think is perfect. It's like a, it's a, it's a great warm-up song before the big giant jam. And I love that how they're doing a lot of that playfulness in this set with You've got the howling kind of callbacks in the beginning of Mike's song. You've got the no men at different parts of the ghost. Like I think they were having a lot of fun in this set and pulling back and playing um, parts of other songs they played earlier, which I thought was really great. And then, yeah, you guys have spoken really well in the wave of hope, but the mics, I just want to talk about a little bit because this was definitely my highlight of the show. Love this. I heard this a lot on the run, especially at 1230. That was kind of the strongest thing they did on 1230 was when they layered the 23 effects on top of like the 97 cow funk. They did a lot of that mm. over the run and it's, it's sick. It's just so fun to dance to. It has so much, it, it makes the funk and groove from 97 feel spacier and also just kind of like grittier and really interesting. And that was the first time I heard it on this run was during that mics. And this mics is like a perfect argument for the micro jam. You know, you don't need to go, crazy far sometimes this is like just over 10 minutes and it just it hits so good absolutely love the mics and then you've got a really fun encore too with these four songs coming on and and mercy as an opener for the little, little mini set and the encore is great placement too i thought the show was fun i i didn't really talk about wave of hope so i'm gonna i'm gonna just drop this here and you can decide if we're gonna move on i i was kind of meh on this wave of hope it's just like, yeah, it does a lot of things. It felt disjointed, those things that it did. Like they would come together and then it kind of fall apart. And I respect that they pushed on and kept trying to come back together and they would do that. It was just kind of, eh. I've listened to it again. Um, and uh, it is not my favorite of the large jams in the run or of the jams in the show. My goodness. I think I, I, it's interesting because like, I have a different, I have an opposite reaction. I found all the little things that they did to be less like they were finding, I don't know if you're saying this, but like less they were finding like dead ends and more they were just like testing something out. And then like they, there was almost a, maybe dexterity is the right word, but like a curiosity, like just as the onset mm -hmm. of the run our jam vehicle that works really well right now that they would just kind of hop. The one point 
that I hear in the gym that I think relates to what you're saying. There's a very stark shift. Like they are jamming in this kind of languid spacey zone and out of nowhere, Fishman's just like, Nope, we're playing faster now. And it just like takes off and it kind of shocks you every time you hear it. And I think that that is like the, the one area where I hear what you're talking about. Is that when he got on the wood blocks? Like, is that when he yeah. did? I can't remember if that, yeah. Like yeah, just, I, my notes. Yeah. He had, there's like an unhurried feel really exploratory. And then, and then he gets on the wood blocks and I liked it. It kind of adds this, like, it kind of pushes it in another direction. And, and, and then Trey goes into like that kind of like arena rock God over these like monster sounds. And I, I thought this was really fun. Sometimes that feels like an out and there were parts of it where it felt like it, where it's just like, all right, mm. let's speed up and let's just, let's just go to the peak. I thought that they reined in a little bit more exploration, but it's, it's interesting. This is the beauty of subjective art. Yep. All right. Yep. Tony, thanks for tuning in. We will get to Harpua. I promise very soon. But no, we can't jump right to it. Things happen um, in order. Well, sometimes. <laughs> No, Sometimes. we have to talk right. about my favorite show of the run. 1231. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The, uh, the late night gig after 1230 with Megan. John yeah. and Nels Klein yeah. and Billy Martin. That's and Metzger. Good. That seems okay. that's that's that would be cool. Yeah. That was really cool. Um, Megan, 1229 reminds me of the great Charles Dickens novel, A Tale of Two Sets, which I thought was yes. a good read long ago. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. what a pretty crazy, um, contrast between those two sets. Ooh, I, my only thing I want to say about this show is I just really, I'm, you know, you guys know me. I'm like, you guys fish, you do what you do, what you want and I'll, I'll support you. But using mountains in the mist in the middle of a kind of like disjointed set, like you could, you can land in yeah. mountains in the mist out of, you know, any, improvisation but to like just play it standalone kind of in the middle of the of the set felt a little bit like a wasted song to me but but also the set was just a little um yeah a little mm-hmm. i was just i was just sad the whole time because you weren't with me rj rj and i were supposed to spend this show together and rj couldn't make it so i went to the show super fun i got to spend the show with ryan storm and we had a blast but the first set we just kept looking at each other like Okay, this is uh this is feeling very, very standard. Um what is Jordan I, saying he never needs to hear it? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm gonna just like I take a moment. Wow. Okay, Jordan. I didn't know this about you. Wow, you're such a <laughs> I, warm, I loving person. This is so shocking. Um, yeah, I love Mountains in the Mist. It's just that set was already suffering from a little bit of like, you know, like bleh feeling. And it just, you know, there's I mean, there's some nice moments. I think, I mean, I think that the theme from the bottom is probably the best highlight of this set. It's the last two versions at MSG were really memorable jams. So I think when it started, I, I was like, okay, here we go. We're going to at least have something here. Um, it's one of the only blissy peaks of the whole show, which is kind of fun. It's really shimmering and interesting and a lot of like delicate playing and really soaring notes. And it's really pretty, that theme. It's probably the only thing that was like that interesting. I think Evolve suffered a little bit. I love that song. I've been waiting to hear it live. It's my first time. But Trey sang a lot of the the lyrics an octave up, and it was it was a little distracting, um, and and that was too bad. But this first set was definitely, you know, especially closing the set with drift. I I feel like, wow, um, 
it was great. I ended the set. I had a full <laughs> water bottle. I had been to the bathroom. I was like fully like ready for set break. I could just hang out. Got I didn't a pretzel. Have to business. Yeah, I could have been a burger. Eaten like you were ready. I was good. I was like, I've done Pocket everything sandwich. you need to do at set break before <laughs> set break. It's great. But the second set, this is well, a don't get set done. Of let's fish. stay on first set for a second. Uh, I want to come. Can can I okay. rebut slightly? Only slightly. Please rebut away. Stash is my fucking highlight. That stash is real good. It's short, but it doesn't waste any of our time with this major key kind of blissy bullshit. It goes dark minor key. It fucking gets a little bit True. weird. It doesn't get yeah. super weird, but it's really a solid fucking stash. This is Mike the kind of stash so that if they're not going to do it for 20 minutes, this is exactly what they should do. And by the way, they're not going to do a 20 minute stash. It's not going to happen. So do this. Um, you, you want a Blissey Peak? You got theme, you know, it like, or any other jam of the night, probably. You want a Blissey Peak? Go somewhere else. Stash does get exactly what back. This one is great. (laughs) (laughs) That Blissey bullshit out of here. All right. Get out of here. Megan's Uh, So anyways, I like the stash. I, I, I thought the the rest of the set was fine. Just fine. I didn't hate it. I agree. It just, yeah, this is fine. I went to do dishes at one point during this set, and my <laughs> wife called to me and said, Why don't you come back in here? We can do the dishes at set break. And I was like, I'm all right. I can hear it. I'm good. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was a set. Um, it happened, and it went on longer than expected. The first set on. It did. Um, mm-hmm. It's true. The, f- the first set on uh, uh, 1228 went for about 79, 80 minutes. This set went over 90 minutes. And um, we got a cool Michael Franti segment during the set closer. Um, can we talk about <laughs> Can we talk about the second set, please? Yeah, no, you know, yes, I, 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 I think we owe it to Megan in. to let her carry on with set two. Now, I appreciate you because I have a hot take about the second set, but I would that. like to hear Megan's experience Ooh, because Megan was take. there, which means that your experience was better. Than Matters mine. most. Yeah, it was better than yours for sure. Um, this was the best set of fish I saw all year. I absolutely loved it. It was perfect. It was wow. so much flow, yeah, true. jams. Yeah, it. I looked at my other second sets and this is my favorite one. It's just hard to pick a highlight because to me, it just. It's of the year really or all a, time? Sorry. Of the year. Of the year. Okay. This Definitely is your favorite not all time. This is my your favorite, favorite you saw. second set that I saw all year. Yeah. So okay. I didn't see 1231, everybody. So, you know, there's <laughs> that. But um, I saw a lot of good fish. I saw 13 shows this year. And so out of all of them, this was my favorite set that I saw. It's so energized. It's so creative. Perfect set listing. Flow just on point. Obviously, starting with that chalk dust when they opened up, Ryan and I just looked at each other. We're like, okay, let's let's like, you know, let's do it. I don't know what happened at set break. I don't know what they said. I feel like maybe they pulled into a huddle and they were like, we need to get our shit together, guys. Like, come on, like, let's go out there, Brian. What do like sports teams say to each other during like it, set it's, break? It's like what they what they say after the first set of the went. You know, they're walking off stage. Like, God damn it! What the hell? You know? Yeah, somebody like broke something, and and then they're like, "Fish releases a box set. Starts with a really horrible first set. Seven (laughs) sets to redeem ourselves. Uh, They still haven't released the box out of the Great Went, which is ridiculous. But um, yeah, what the damn hell? Yeah, what what's up with that? But yeah, this chalk dust, absolutely love it. 
At 5.21, you hear them launch into the jam, and the intent of the whole entire show just changed right before our eyes. Multiple section jams, at times stunning and soulful, and at other times just wild and totally unafraid. The first few minutes, Trey's just exploring, and Fishman starts crashing these cymbals, and the whole band is just echoing each other in unsettling riffs and tones. At nine minutes in, they come ashore and just these washes of sound from percussion and synths. Trey's playing with like delicacy and a soft touch that just really allowed the band to find its way organically. And I think the biggest thing that stands out about this jam is just it is completely driven by all of them. There's no one leading. It feels like full band communication the whole time, just total exploratory improvisation. It flies by. It sounds so intentional despite being totally improvised. And I think there's so many different moments in this jam that you can hear them choose to keep playing, like keep moving forward. You've got the repetitive riffs and then you've got the woos. You've got a couple times, but they don't let that go on too long, which I appreciate. There's like a distortion that takes over and then they enter that really dark layered space and you've got the space lasers and like the washes of synth and Fishman is just driving relentlessly. It's really scary. And then by the end, Trey starts playing these like really sustained notes, like 19 minutes in and you kind of grab onto that and you're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to head somewhere safe now, but no, you're not. You're going to be like attacked by giant robots that are like crushing everything. And there's just going to be like all these weird noises and they're just like going to be stepping on all the metal and everything's going to be like falling apart and crashing and burning. And and you're just going to be trying to escape and crawling out and like trying to emerge from under their feet. And it's just going to be this like terrible thing. And it just ends and it ends in oblivion. Like how fucking perfect. You're dying. You're going to die. Fracking will kill us. It's oblivion. And it's just perfect because it's 17 minutes of just like another just journey, which is totally different from that one. It's more rhythmic and really bubbly and effortless. And it has like a nice little crescendo and it kind of soars through the last few minutes with a bright and hopeful tone. Like who would think that would come out of oblivion? And then they come back to the song in a beautifully perfect way in this jam. And I think that what is it? 40 minutes of music was worth everything I paid to see fish for two nights. Like that was, mm-hmm. and then to land in what's the use. I mean, I, I couldn't have picked a better landing point and it was so perfect. And the juxtaposition of that noisy end to chalk dust to the quietness of what's the use is like, Oh my God. And then when they went into my friend, I just, I thought I was going to die because this is like, this is perfect set listing. This song has that dark foreboding weird and it's just you know it's had some really big versions this summer and you could tell when Trey started yelling like he's got a knife in that crazy way that they were just going to go there again and and I love how this song is so dark and then just ends in this like really funky layered jam Mike sounds amazing I think Mike might be my VI like what is it? Not VIP. MVP. MVP. MVP for this week because he sounded incredible. He was like turned up in the mix. I often like my ear often found him and I just, I thought he sounded incredible in this jam too. Got a great segue into sand, really groovy, bluesy jam, just energized little blistering peak at the end, about to run, kept the energy high, flow on point, shred fast for Trey. And then there's just nowhere else to go, but to end in hood. And it was an absolutely beautiful hood. 
lyrical phrasing from Trey, just gorgeous, crystal clear tone, Fishman like shimmering on the drums, just one of those like heart swelling, perfectly played versions of Hood. So that's what I think about that set. And I loved it. Brian, what's your controversial take? Well, I don't have a controversial take. I just have, <laughs> I have a very hot take that um, <clears throat> I, I think that this truck just torches the number three jam of the year. Uh, I think it was yes! monumental. I would like to just read a quick snippet of my notes because I think that they say everything. There's a segment around like 13, 14 minutes where I, I wrote um, Trey leading the charge with gorgeous riffing, gorgeous and texture jamming. And then I just wrote in the next line, my God. And then I wrote <laughs> Krautrock ambient with a jazz drummer. And then I wrote, this is like the greatest music I've ever heard. And that like summarized <laughs> pretty much everything about how I felt. Like there was a moment on the couch where I was like, I don't think I've ever heard better music uh, like ever played in my entire life. Um, <clears throat> it's an outstanding jam. Chalk Dust Torture has, has had a really cool year. Um, this version and the Hollywood Bowl version uh, just stand out to me as, you know, we talk so much rightly so about how new songs are the guiding light for fish and the reason why this band is continuing on and sounds as fresh and full of ideas as they do 40 years in. But a song like Chalk Dust was a rock song for the majority of its, like for that glory period of the nineties of fish, it was a seven minute, set or show opening song and it has expanded into on level of what tweezer was doing and what mike song was doing and what ghost was doing all these big jam vehicles in the 90s that's what chalk does torture is now and i know it had a few versions in 1.0 a few versions in 2.0 but every time it's played now it is a jam vehicle um it's an outstanding jam and it goes into oblivion which is my favorite oblivion of the year uh to this point in time it's 17 18 minutes but it gets so much happening within that you get page since like almost immediately in the jam space uh you get to the zone that's like a dystopian lullaby that i loved uh there's like a groove jamming uh hypnotic robot sex is happening somewhere in there it's like <laughs> like the movie 2001 is happening like in yeah. the music it's absolutely insane you get a really well-earned peak that like is creative it's not just like let's turn on the bright lights it's Trey riffing. I think that the, the return to oblivion is done really nicely. And then um, I won't go into too much detail just from a flow standpoint, but like, I think everything Megan said was spot on. The set has, you know, what you want out of a second set, which is this kind of narrative journey that you go on where you go into some weird jam space and then you come back to a place of familiarity and then you go back out again and you come back. But what is the safe space? What is the ballad that we're going to fall into? It's what's the use, a really eerie and creepy song. Um, and then you're going to go into my friend, my friend that like is always super eerie, but this one goes into like a King Crimson type of jamming space. This is a, the second type two, my friend, my friend of the year, my God, we've had like such great creative playing in this song. It's incredible. Uh, and then the Harry Hood, it's delicate. It's beautiful. We get like kind of Krautrock lead from Trey towards the end, but then this outstanding peak that I don't have the notes on the last great Harry Hood that was played. I think that we're in a zone of fish history where Harry Hoods oftentimes go into jamming spaces and then go into a really well-earned peak period or peak zone. Um, so it's, it's just like we're, we're in a spot where Harry Hood is played really well on a pretty regular basis, but this was up there as I just thought an excellent performance. And then um, 
giving us Lonely Trip and Karini, just like shocking us in the encore with, uh, um, you know, the know. rare encore Karini was just, it was stunning. So I loved this. I thought Chalk Dust and Oblivion were the clear highlights, but this is um, for my money. You sit down, press play on this set. You're not going to skip anything. Yeah, I, I'll keep my comments short, but this Chalk Dust mm-hmm. is the jam for me of the, of this, uh, the run. This Chalk Dust yeah. is just gorgeous and weird and everything I need. Um, the uh, Oblivion, you you mentioned the kind of like major key peak before they fall back into Oblivion itself. And to me, that sounds a little like a uh, Sigma Oasis. It almost sounds like they're playing Sigma mm. Oasis there. Uh, it's, mm. it's similar. It's similar Oasis. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and I, I love that. I like the what's the use call there. Um the jam out of my friend is super weird and i i it, it's late i've been up now this is my second night like streaming fish you know i've been up kind of late for me and uh and i was just sitting bolt upright watching that it was just i was riveted it was so good uh so fun to see um just just an outstanding set Hey listeners, I want to tell you about Music Masters Collective, a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, the Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Stephen Page, Justin Furstenfeld, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe and special guests for Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and so much more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open and spots are already filling up, so register soon. Scholarships are also available, and spots are extremely limited, so visit MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. That's MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about one of our great partners, DistroKid. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. If you're a musician and looking to get your music out there, DistroKid is the way to go. DistroKid is available for iOS and Android and is now available in Apple's App Store and the Google Play Store. More than a million artists rely on DistroKid to get their music onto Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all other major streaming services. And with DistroKid, you can upload new releases, see your financial progress, get notified when you've earned royalties, withdraw money from the app, view and share links, check your streaming stats, and a whole lot more. DistroKid has more features than any other music distributor. Check them out today. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash helping friendly. That's distrokid with a capital K dot com slash VIP slash helping friendly for a special offer. Thanks, DistroKid. Great show. Great show. Um, Hmm. Great show. The only can I share one stat that I thought was really interesting about the show? Lonely Trip was the fifth song Hmm. of the night that was debuted since 2019. 
That's a that's a lot of new songs in that show. Wow. Well, yeah. That's pretty cool. That is the new this is like the new song show. I mean it yeah. well, but its average on the debut years was still only two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. That is yeah. the because I'm looking at twelve thirty when is twelve twenty-eight. Am I looking at the right show? Yep. Twelve twenty-eight was ninety-nine. Yeah, twelve twenty-nine was two thousand one, mm-hmm. and then twelve thirty-one was nineteen ninety-three, which means it's the best. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what happened next, right? It was just twelve thirty-one, right? Yeah. That's the well, show that came next. no, you yeah. spent another night in Manhattan, didn't you? Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I did. I did. I had a lot of fun. The show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I had a lot of fun that night. Well, you know, I had I had really high expectations. Um, I don't. I think you know that this That'll is my favorite you. night of fish, and this is the only night that I try to be on the floor at at MSG because there's just something magic about being on the floor at twelve thirty. And my girlfriends and I like to go down there and dance and be kind of in the stew. And I don't see anything because I'm just too short, and I just feel and it's great. But for some reason, I had an amazing spot where I could see the band actually, and I could dance like crazy. I wasn't up super close or anything, but I had plenty of space and we had people around us dancing and I had a really great time despite this being a pretty average show. And thank God for Life Saving Gun, my 15th favorite song of the year out of all the music I listened to. I love this song so much. And this was definitely the highlight of the night. This jam is awesome. I think it's definitely when they started off, a lot of people I could tell were kind of like, what is this? And I was so excited because I love the song. And the fact that they took this out at the end of the first set is just, to me, speaks to just how inspired they are with all their new music. And this jam is incredible. It starts out really energized, really grooving, some wah pedal. And about six minutes in, we get these like screeching synths come in that add this like demented layer over the like kind of updated cow funk groove. Just sick. I've listened to this jam like three times. It is so good. At 7.24, Fishman starts crashing the cymbals. Trey starts taking some really gnarly, growly riffs. And by 10 minutes in, Trey has that like hopeful tone back. He's playing some like really optimistic peaking runs. Fishman's on the cymbals and Paige is on the piano. And there's just these rolling peaks to finish with really triumphant percussion, hands in the air, great end to a first set one. And I think the other highlight of this set is the Fuego, which really starts off type one, but changes about like eight minutes in again with the synths. And by 12 minutes, again, they're in a really groovy, dancey space. And this is something that they did really well in 1230 was find that funk and that dancey space. And it was really fun. Again, think like Mike for president. He was so good during this Fuego jam. The first set was, uh, that was, that was kind of it for the first set. As far as my highlights, the Wolfman's was fun. I like the Wolf Bands. I thought it kind of grooved. It was slow. Like yeah. it's not a, it was, it was a little slower than one might expect, but it enabled the groove. It was probably very dancey at the, in the, in, on the night, a little micro jam situation there. Kill Devil Falls is a total ripper. It's like short, it's absolute shred. I actually kind of really liked that. Uh, but Fuego is, you know, that's your type two jamming for the night pretty much. <laughs> um, and I liked it. I liked it. I also, I, I love the landing in Train Song. It's charming, you know, a rare treat. I think they played it once earlier this year. Um, and then, yeah, Life-Saving Gun. It sounded like, wow. 
that just absolutely ripped. Um, I mean, I saw a lot of people who were not loving the set come back, you know, at set break and say, well, it saved the set. Well, I don't know about that. They called it set saving gun. I think, um, that's clever. I don't think the set was that bad. Uh, but it was, it's definitely a pretty awesome song. I think it says a lot that this show would be pretty solid played on a Tuesday night in any other city in America. It is. Hmm. It's the fact that it's, it's this night. It is like, this is not like a great, great, great fish show. I'm not making that argument, but it's, it's not bad. It just doesn't fully connect. Entirely a paper tiger. It is everything you think you want to see in a fish show, but absolutely none of the depth (laughs) that any of those songs should achieve. It is. I've seen that set so many times at Dick's on Saturday nights. And Mm. and when that 2001 dropped, I I love seeing that in the, in the, in the, um, in the venue. It's always fun. The lights are always great. I totally get it. You groove. Um, Some people like to groove on the floor with their friends, you know, like people have their fun during that song, but like that was the most predictable placement for that song coming out of a golden age. that was going really nowhere. Um, I, I, share your guys sentiments i thought the fuego was really interesting you got these cool washes of noise really like kind of cosmic ethereal jamming towards the end that was really cool fuego has just had an awesome year if you have not Mm. listened to the berkeley version in a long time please cue that up that is some just like contained syncopated evil fish just amazing stuff the msg version um the last five minutes of that jam from the summer is my favorite music i heard all year this version was in that ballpark of just really creative really cool that like this song that used to be a set killer in a lot of people's minds has gotten to this point where like wherever it's played it 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 just leaps out and the band has so much to say within it uh and then life-saving gun is right in there with what we have all been saying about um you know, new songs and the fact that new songs are, you're going to hear a 20 minute life-saving gun in 2024. It's just going to happen. Like the way that they play that, that is, that is the version before the version. And we're going to look back on that and be like, that was a shifting moment in the band's history where yet another song came up and is going to open up a second set and it's going to blow our brains. Um, the second set is a paper tiger. I don't have anything else to say about it. The David Bowie, when it started, I said, maybe. And I texted one of my friends who was there and he was like, no, we just, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time. There were some cool ideas, yeah. but can I, you know, can I talk about that David Bowie? Because I think that's yes, my, please. that's my only part I would listen to and did even go back and listen to of that set because I like the David Bowie, but again, and I've said this a few times this year, this First of all, they placed it just as your friend said, no, we don't have enough time. If this David Bowie had begun in the number two slot or something in a set, might have gone somewhere maybe, but it didn't. It wasn't there. Uh, It instead is really like a perfect type one David Bowie. Like they can play David Bowie now. Now go for it, please. I've been standing on this box for a while now here on this podcast, and I'm going to stay on the play fucking David Bowie for real box for a while. But um, it was it, it was well played. Didn't do anything. Show was over when they started it. Um, and, I don't want to yeah. burst anyone's bubbles, but we've been saying that about David Bowie since the Mexico 2020 David Bowie. If you go back, that is the True. first one to be like, <laughs> 
Ooh, because there's something more. Fucking it up <laughs> for all of and 3. everyone after that has been that exact reaction everyone. of like, well, we got 12 minutes. Can you guys fit it all in? I mean, even RJ saw the best one he's ever seen. Sorry, I don't mean to keep bringing that up, but yeah. But however, the good news is that we'll see a good one someday. I don't know. There is someday. no good news about It'll David Bowie. Yeah. But it will. They back it Game will. Hinge, they will bring back David Bowie. There you but go. I do have, <laughs> that's that's yeah. But I do have good news for everyone who's been here waiting for us to talk about the top-ranked fish show of all time for some time before it was unranked <laughs> and then disabled, which is disabled. we'll be back next week to talk about 1231. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, right, before we do, no, wait, before nope, we do, nope, RJ, nope, I, yep. yes, no, 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 there's literally nothing else to talk about. There is. <laughs> you nope, knew there's that the set wasn't going to be good. When the wow was only six minutes. That's yeah, it. that's Go. fair. It was a kind of a train wreck. <laughs> um, clearly, they didn't know. Um, they, they found the bottom of the well too soon. I didn't even know they could play yeah. the well for six minutes. I thought it that's had to be thing. like 12 minutes for I sure. I looked at my watch and I was like, I actually don't know what's happening. We're, we're in for it. All right. So <laughs> there was much like the stream that I did. I turned it on and it was at the end of set one of New Year's Eve, which is fine. So set two, guys, what, what set us up here? Because... There's everyone. Does everyone know in the building what's happening once Down with Disease starts? Or are we still like? I don't care. I mean, right? How many like, eye rolls? Yeah, that was a great and troll. laughs. It's a when troll, Down with disease right? It was like starts, we're gonna right? do a classic set two <laughs> yeah. opener with yeah. Down with Disease. I think it's fucking hilarious. Well, so yeah, good. my my immediate reaction was like, oh, because based on what we had heard, I expected them to come out, and I, I expected almost. Um, well, no, I kind of expected the way that uh, the Great Woods show starts, where it's like uh, like a, a Game Henge adjacent song, Llama, which we'll get into mm-hmm. that aspect of all of this, and then like an NO2 into Game Henge. And that was kind of what I was anticipating. And when they started with Disease, I was like, oh my God, how did I forget that they haven't played Disease yet in this run? Like, <laughs> cool, we're just going to get a jamming. Like, so, there have been years where the second set on New Year's Eve has was the best set of the show, yeah. if not the run. And it kind mm-hmm. of felt like that was how I was starting. And then they turned it back eight minutes later. And then you knew that's when you were like, okay, you guys <laughs> yeah, are yeah. With us. Yeah. Uh, Brian here, attendance bias. Brian in the chat here comments correctly. The gag is usually in set three. They come out, the around a little bit old lang syne then the stage turns into yeah. a freaking sailboat yeah, or something exactly. you know and yeah so having it start in set two wasn't really expected for most of us um i know people there were people in the building who had seen a kayak backstage you know like so probably people sitting around the back or whatever and all that but like you yeah. know well, the old kayak that'll tell you everything you yeah need. that'll clue you in well there's one song <laughs> that has a kayak in it so <laughs> Well, Dork. okay. What happened here? So they start Harpua and everyone loses their minds, right? And then, so the lady and the guy come out of the floor. And well, the guy comes out of the floor. Guy comes well, out wait, of the floor. Yeah, and before that, Trey talks about how they're, you know, they're playing their 83rd show for a band yeah. that starts in 1983. And then he starts mentioning all the different like Harpua and New Year's Eve gags, like within the Harpua narration. And I was reminded that Trey is that guy who tells stories to his daughters, like makes them up at night. You know, that's something he he used to do. And he's someone that wrote musicals with his mom. And that was to me when I was watching Trey during that part, I was thinking like, that's who Trey is. And this is the culmination of all of that for him. And I was just so excited for him. And I think 
their biggest theatrical performance of all time for them to have pulled this off. And I was thinking about the full circle nature of this. And I think watching Trey throughout this performance, nobody was having a better time than Trey. <laughs> yeah. Definitely having an amazing time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how, and when so, he calls Jimmy's dad, a gaslighting asshole, that was really, really funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was pretty great there. Okay. So Guys, what? How do you want to tackle this? Because we can. On one hand, they did Gamehenge. We all know that. Um, what? How about we talk about the, what was most fun and notable for everyone about this whole thing? Yeah, let's Perfect. just pretend that it's all one thing. And say, I, although I'd like to talk about this existence of the set break in the middle of it. I, I yeah. Think that otherwise, let's just take it as a whole. That can be your thing. Okay. You can have that. One. <laughs> I have more. I have probably more than that one thing, but I do no. want to. I'll, I'll talk about that. So I thought it was weird. Okay, so first of all, Gamehenge is amazing, but like I thought it was like, oh crap, they're going to take a set break in it. It was both weird and and kind of great because it opened up this like moment, uh, fifteen minutes, which you know I think I texted you guys. That means it'll be a union fifteen minutes, so twenty five minutes to where we could talk about like what's next i mean we knew forbidden mm -hmm. mockingbird had to be coming up but what else like and we 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 i think between us agreed that possum was probably likely on the table and like all of these things and no we didn't skip the rhombus coming up we just don't have enough time to go through every single detail exactly <laughs> as it happened because you but maybe that'll watch be it. someone's thing maybe um, be someone's thing. Yeah. somebody else i'm just gonna read the fish.net note oh so good god <laughs> i have to get dinner sometime tonight to fish.net and voting on this show they don't i don't want anyone to risk that so i will read it to you but it, it um i i kind of like i was kind of mixed that, that they were like gonna take the break but they did start the gag and set two so you know we gotta go and oh yeah and there will be a new year's countdown somewhere and that was almost an afterthought right like they're just kind of like like oh by the way <laughs> Um, yeah, and I, I, the whole thing was just great. I was sitting on the floor in front of my television with the stereo blasting and the TV big screen in front of me, and just grinning like a freaking kid on watching Saturday morning cartoons. It was so awesome, so fun, so creative, and you know, I've seen a variety of like micro criticisms and whatever, and I don't care about any of them because uh, I. I'm so glad they did it. Like, it's great. Is it over yeah. though? Is that it for Gamehenge? Is Gamehenge dead? I don't know how they top it. <laughs> I think it, I think it yeah. resides in the they just go sideways. Yeah, like I, I'm having. I, I don't know how to totally talk about this, which is a problem because I like to podcast. Um, <laughs> I guess the thing I keep coming back to is that the thing that the two things that impressed me the most were one um, and I, it, it takes some knowledge of the band's history to know that they've never played the exact game henge like more than, more than once. I think the, the two ninety four versions are, are the most similar, but the 88, the 91, the 93 from Sacramento and then the 94 versions, there are variations and there We've are some seen that... enough science fiction or Marvel movies to understand the concept of multiverse. Right. So these can well, all exist and be canonical, even though they're different. Well, not and that, but also like to me, this is an evolving story. And, and, and part of the, I think the problem I remember the band 
non Trey having in when they decided to abandon the scene mm. rum was like, does the story arc, is it really satisfying? Is this whole like cyclical, like you get power, so you become evil. Is that really like the message that we want putting forth? And this shifted that. And this gave a different perspective and this introduced the importance of punching the eye to game hinge earlier on and kind of set the tone and then going into ACDC bag and that becoming this huge jam that brings on the multi-beast. And so you're switching the placement of Tila and ACDC bag, but you're doing it for story purposes. We don't necessarily need to meet, need to meet Tila until a little bit later. You know, we need to set the tone here a little bit more about what game hinge is like and what, what is happening? What, what are the battles that are going on beyond the immediate story? And I love that aspect of it. You 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 reference Marvel, like I think of Star Wars almost. I think of um, you know, a lot of fantasy and sci-fi, the way that you have the one story, but then you can branch off and you can give depth to the story in a way that you didn't have before. Um, could they do this again? Yeah. There's like a different world where this sort of stuff, you know, is is shaken up again and they give you a different perspective on it all. Um so I, I loved that aspect of it. I loved the fact that they gave us a different take on it and didn't just give us the seven, eight 94 version that I'm guessing most of the fan base is familiar with because of the dinner and a movie and it's been officially released. Mm-hmm. Um, also the fact that there was a jam in ACDC bag. Um, but I think just big picture wise, like fish played game hinge. Like that is just, I, that is just yeah. something like I, I became a fan of this band in 2001 I was introduced to Gamehenge early on as this like great lore. And it was like one of those things was like, fuck, I don't know how I'm going to go back to school. Like I got into them over summer break. I was like, like I got so much to learn about this band. Like I have no idea how I'm going to go back to like geometry class now. Um, and I remember like getting laughed at in, on, in PT threads early on when I was like, do you guys think they'll ever play game engine again? They're like, get the fuck out of here. You knew, you know? And then like, they came back and they were bringing back like Forbin's Mockingbird. They were bringing back like Harpua and all these cool little things. And then that, the gem truck set that is such a classic, like nectars fish type of set, but they never touched game hench. And there were moments where they could do it. Like those of us who have been to Watkins Glen, like, on a beautiful day, that looks like Game Henge. Like that feels like Game Henge. Um, they could have done this, but they held it off until this moment. And we and and the fact that we got it is just one of the most special things, if if not the most special thing that this band has ever done for us. Like I I cannot believe it was fan service, but it was also a new take on it. And all of that, I'm just filled with love and gratitude for this band. It's absolutely fan service. So let, let us acknowledge yeah. that. This is this is Trey knowing that this is what people want, but it's also Trey service. Like that dude is as as you said, Megan, like no one enjoyed it more than Trey. Like you could watch him just watching this play out in front of him as he's playing these songs and having the best time. I mean, so, Trey's a theater nerd, and and yeah. this is a theater nerd's dream, you know. I mean Thinking about what you were saying, Brian, you know, as a fan in the 90s, you always thought you were going to see Gamehenge again. Like, you know, I couldn't yeah, go to the Clifford happen. Ball and everybody was like, you're going to miss Gamehenge. Like, you're an idiot for not going to Clifford Ball. You know, you kept, I was in Europe and we were like, the last night of the Europe tour, they're going to play Gamehenge for us. You know, it was stupid to think that. But, you know, there was just always this idea that you were going to get it because, you know, they had just played it in 94. It wasn't like this thing that hadn't happened in a long time. And then it, kept not happening and I kept like getting let down about it. And then I finally was like, I don't actually care if I see it again because they never will play it or they will and I won't be there. It's fine. 
And the way that they did it, I felt like was such a complete triumph and so perfect. I was reading, because I'm a nerd, I was reading the process paper for Trey's thesis, The Man Who Stepped Into Yesterday this week. And in it, he defines composition as combining parts or elements to form a whole and says that's what he's really the the best at doing. And at this point in his, I guess, kind of musical career life, he thought that's what he was the best at doing. And he talks about how he started with, you know, the poem with the lyrics to McGrupp and the song Wilson. And he uses that as the basis for this story. And he talks about how he kept this giant notebook all year and he would write down ideas and musical notes and um, phrases and, and words that he liked. And he used that to put together the story. And I was thinking how much fun this year must have been for him because he's been working on it all year to think about the different parts of the story and compose it in a different way. And the fact that they were able to do that and be so successful with it and make this updated version with incredible Broadway actors and dancers and singers and these beautiful, incredible puppets. And the fact that they were able to incorporate jamming into that and let the music tell the story. Brian, I think we were texting and you said that that they really allowed the music to tell a lot of the story. And I thought that was really smart and really fishy. And I think they did kind of the perfect amount of narration and the perfect amount of theatrics. It wasn't distracting from the music, but it was also embellishing and making it such a production. It was incredible to watch on the screen. And I'm sure in the room, it was just so fantastical. So I think it translated in both you know, at home and in the room, which is just hard to pull off too. And I think that's something Fish has gotten so good at is making a production that can be seen in multiple ways. And I think that they totally nailed this. And for me, watching from home, similar Brian, I mean, I have teenagers, so they weren't as invested. They don't think it's that cool, but they were like, oh, mom, it's Game Henge. And, you know, they wanted to to watch it and see what it was they laughed and, you know, read their books and looked at their phones later, but they were interested in it and realizing that this is going to be something that you can show kids and you can show people and and it can become this, this thing that turns people onto the band. And I thought it was just an absolute complete success. I didn't love the set break. I think it, it worked fine, like an intermission would in a play, but I didn't love it because I wanted to see it as like a complete piece. It doesn't really matter. That's just really splitting hairs. But I thought the whole production was incredible. And I thought ending the way that they did, you know, there's a an argument for just ending it. And then there's this argument of this idea that, you know, the volcano is, the mountain is a volcano and then split open and melt happens. And, and it's just like this sick jam out of that. And then they play Yem, which is just the anthem of fish. And then Loving Cup, the man from the mountain, and you're going to have this like rock and roll moment. It just felt so right. And then this wild dance party and possum, which, you know, is or is not in Game Henge. And I just thought. Oh, it is. And it has been it for is. a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they're, they're tying all this stuff in and, and making it, I think, just so thoughtful and playful. And I couldn't believe it. I thought it was so masterful and, and just absolutely perfect. How great was that split open and melt first? Let, let us acknowledge mm-hmm. somebody here says it was the year, melt was a song of the year. I don't know if it was a song of the year, but it was a good song all year. Um, and this version was outstanding. Um, I was uh, also ecstatic when they dropped into Love and Cup, probably because mm-hmm. I'm an old fan and it's a song they were 
playing when I first started seeing them and it's always fun. And it did. You're right. I'm the man from the mountain. It's perfect. It's just. Yeah. And uh, I was just, I was super happy when they dropped into that. And then I was ecstatic for RJB when they dropped into Possum. He was so happy. That was when he had your other way. There's no other way it could have ended. I do. I will say that just the, if you've listened to the man who stepped in yesterday, which we all have, and I'm sure everyone listening has, it, it was confusing to me when they played the songs, like not in that order, because the story is told in a specific order per that yeah. original recording. Like Tila mm-hmm. comes mm-hmm. like the, the part where Tila comes in is right after the lizards. Right. And then before right. Wilson and then that like, sets up. So I was a little bit confused by the song's um, order, but it didn't like, I'm not mad. I'm not going to like rate it differently or anything but it was stars now it was when i can (laughs) i'm saving but i don't know it's interesting because so mad at us i know um i'm preparing for to get the messages we love you charlie um yeah i mean you guys kind of said everything about it it's it was a really obviously i think a couple people have mentioned just like that the energy in the building was just so high which you can you can kind of get from the the webcast but yeah. But not really, you know, like you can just. But you we're, can we're, totally understand it. Oh, yeah, as yeah. A yeah. serious fan, like, you know, of course yeah, it's high. There's no definitely. way people weren't going. First of all, energy on New Year's, and I, I'll say this because I know you don't haven't been to many New Year's shows, RJ. Energy on New Year's is always high. It's always yeah. high. The party. It's a party. Yeah. People are ready to throw down. They're expecting a little spectacle. Great. It's always fun. New Year's shows are a blast. And then. Fucking game hinge? Are you kidding? I know. Die. Yeah. So great. So great. I understand why people who weren't at Big Cypress want to put this like as the best show ever. I totally get that. They need to chill out a little bit, maybe, but that's not the point. Like, this is a good show. First set's a little meh. There's a reason why we skipped it. Uh, but this shit is is legendary and it is a great gift from the band to the fans. So do you do you guys think that they intent that they knew they were going to play a twenty minute ACDC bag or like do you think that 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 improv was yes was Part planned it because be, it was it like, was pretty awesome. The multi beast like comes in through the end of it, right? I mean, yeah. she was on the floor for a while. It took a long time coming from the back and then around the back of the floor mm. and then up on uh, Mike's side, um, and it, so it was, I think, by design, but. That's a great design because they haven't really jammed ACDC bag like that in a while. So we'll take it. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the biggest takeaway of the whole thing for me. That yeah, I mean, and I, how awesome the sloth was. The sloth is hilarious. I mean, that's the longest, I think that's yeah. the longest ACDC bag since Coventry. Pretty sure. Yeah. It's, it's the longest wow. since then they've played a few, jammed out versions in summer 22. Um, but this was the one that just like it left ACDC bag behind. And it's a really interesting, Megan, you were talking earlier about like the 97 uh, funk and the 97 jamming with like the 2023 effects. This was like a Trey Hendrix jam from fall 97 mm-hmm. channeled through 2023 uh, Trey. And the way yes. that they've, the way that they had the camera positioned at times, like it would go from looking up at Trey where he just looked like a rock God. And then it would go back to 
the multi-beast coming around and it's just like wobbling its head and it looks all creepy and stuff. It was so cool. Um, yeah. I mean, this was a couple things I was thinking as I was just looking through here though. Um, when you start with disease through Tweez reprise, the newest songs are first tube down disease and Tweez reprise. Like wow. those are the newest songs that are played across two sets, which That's for crazy. a band that we celebrate how much they focus on their new music, which they should. It is very cool that on these, this 30th and 40th anniversary, they take a step back and go, Hey, let's play what set the foundation for everything. And yeah, for everything that we love about fish, like without game hinge, like that foundation is really, really important to the aura around this band, to the idea that you want to learn more about this band, that there's, you know, it's like Jonathan said, it's, it's the Marvel aspect of them where there's always something else to explore. There's always something else to dive into. And there's a reason why people are so obsessed with, you know, their fantasy franchises and, and science fiction and stuff like that, because the creators behind it give you a new world and then they just fill it with ideas and endless possibilities. Um, Can I just also say one thing about backing vocalists, which was, I mean, I think the divided sky lizards, I mean, all, all of the songs that had the backing vocalists melt um, mockingbird, mockingbird. It was really great. And I really, I'm like, I'm into Joe Lampert on. That's what I wanted to say. Hell yes. I think we're like, just bring, just bring Joe Lampert on on tour tour. just for, just for Wilson. She was so sick. Like fly her in one or two nights a year. Having like a woman sing with Trey. Oh my God. I was like dying. I was like, this is the duet. I never knew. I like really needed in my life. Her physicality. She brought it so hard when she was like on her knees and Trey was playing to her. I was like, what would yeah. I pay to be this woman right now? Like anything, like she was just like, it was, I was just dying. Trey was loving it. Like the vibes, she was just, she delivered so hard. And I thought her performance was unforgettable. Absolutely. So thank you for bringing and her up, RJ. I wanted to do that too. Per, yeah. Pretty sick set listing as well. Going llama, Wilson, the sloth. Like that is some heavy, yeah. right? heavy fish. And the right sloth there. was fucking amazing. That's the guy, the, the person doing the sloth. I mean, that was, that was pretty epic. That was like the yeah. best of all the, of all the, just because it was so funny and it, it, it like yeah. worked so well. Um, Andrew says the tightness of the playing is being undersold. Not always a given. That's a good but, point. Yeah. We yeah. just haven't gotten to it yet, but it's absolutely right. The, the jamming, the performance of the songs, not just the jamming, but like the performance of the songs was really high level. Um, and some of those songs aren't always well delivered which is part of why we don't see a lot of mockingbirds. Um, also, I just want to say, I, I saw, I saw Andrew the night before this, just so hi, Andrew. Nice. Um, okay. Do you what think else, guys? That's what they recorded. Maybe did they record a, an album of game Henge? Is that why they're okay. They can, so I, can I talk about the th- other thing that I texted you guys so much about yeah. is that um, grandma had her script in a gatefold LP <sighs> that had the rhombus on the cover front and back. And surely that is a real LP that I'm going to be able to buy any day now. Right. I have a stack of American dollars that that I'm willing to transmit to the fish organization in exchange for (laughs) just waiting, like waiting me. They're waiting for the rankings to be turned back on to see if it's actually going to be worth it from an investment standpoint. (laughs) Um, Hey guys, sorry. I want to interrupt with one more important comment just because it's good for me. 
Yes. Um, I like hold that. on. Yes. No, 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 no. Sorry. This, this one. Oh. Andrew owes me one because I encouraged him to go. We were together at the Disco Biscuits on the 30th, and he said, mm. I have tickets to, to Disco Biscuits tomorrow night and fish tomorrow night. What do you think? And I said, absolutely go to New York. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, so, that's the right answer. Um, yeah. So, so they, so basically, Jonathan, what you're saying about the story is it doesn't matter that the story was different than the regular story because it's just now it's like a different story or a different kind of the story. Everyone, like it, this, doesn't ruin. If you were at Great Woods, this doesn't take away from anything that happened there. This is just a new version of it. You know, it's like how many versions of Batman do we have? Some of them are good. Some of them, the costume has nipples, you know, but, you know, it's fine. (laughs) At least Uma Thurman absolutely rocked it in that one uh, Batman and Robin. Horrible, horrible film, but she (laughs) killed it. Um, (laughs) And Brian, do you have your list? Do you have your list of movies that came out in 2023 that you're going to go through right now? Oh, no, 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 no. I've got, I've got my top, my top tier. That's the bonus episode. Should we tell Um, everybody about bonus episodes? Go ahead, Brian. Sorry, you were going to say something. Well, there's. I I, I loved this comment because this didn't even hit me until Anthony just said it. If you want to nerd out, this was the only game hinge with a real Wilson song with the entire crowd chanting Wilson. Doesn't happen until the end of 94. That that MSG. I mean, there's a few hints of it throughout Fall 94, but that MSG version, their first show at MSG, they open up with Wilson and Trey's at the front of the stage, just like fist pumping the audience. Um, And there was never another game hinge after that until this one. So, yeah, this was the first time we really got like full crowd participation for it. So, yeah, I mean, some aspects of the story change, and I'm guessing that annoys a certain segment of the fan base, but other aspects are enriched as a result of it. And I don't know if there was any jamming in past game hinges. So yeah. um, mm. definitely not. So it's definitely the best not. one then. Absolutely. I'm not going to say that. It's the best uh, show. It's, it's the best, the best, show. best, show. best show <laughs> that happened last year. It's best. It's, it's the best. Um, I think, the, is, I think the great woods version is, is still a solid prototype. Nothing it's a else. very yeah. If you if you want to hear Gamehenge and and the band give everything that they have in front of fifteen thousand people, I've always heard of that show as kind of the like hat tip, the send off to the Northeast as the band was just exploding in popularity. Mm-hmm. We've got everybody here a year earlier. This was our biggest show ever. Let's give you the most special thing that we've ever done. It's kind of similar here, you know. Who yeah. knows what the future holds? Uh, this does not sound to me like a band that is stopping anytime soon. Uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, and so can, maybe can we can I just find the place to bed. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say I'm a, I'm a Crest Theater. I'm a Crest Theater person. That's a great one too. That's a that's, very good one. I think that's um, the best. Besides I, I've one, seen, I saw somebody talking about how Fish has peaked now and then not time to go on and see other bands. And I'm like, okay, you go right ahead and see other bands. But that's nonsense. Gamehenge may have peaked and be off to the side for now. But the way this band is playing overall, uh, certain set one or a couple set ones aside, um, this band has a lot left to give. And I think that the trend of monster jams and all that is going to continue here into 2024. And this band is going to be fucking fire and don't miss them. Can't imagine that this, what you were saying, Jonathan, and what Andrew just asked, does this change things for any, I I did see people, I assume they were joking who said like, all right, now that they did game henge, there's nothing else I can see. I mean, if anything, it just, 
does what you said, which is it reinforces that they're still doing amazing shit and they will continue yeah, they have to a festival this boy. year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I always see on, you always see online people be like, Oh, if I, if I could hear fish play this one song, I'd quit it. Like I'd be done. You know, the chase would be over. And like, all it does is create a new chase. You know, it just, yeah. there's, there's, there's things you've never seen. There's things the band has never done. They played in so to bed for the first time two years ago. There are still songs that they have not played. They have never debuted. They, nobody thought they'd ever play end of session. There are songs that have not been busted out, <clears throat> melt the guns since the 1980s that they could round still room at the sphere. Come on. It's bullshit by the way. Full round it's room. All happening. Yeah. Melt the guns. This needs to come back. Bart, Bart. Hey Bart. This motivates Bart to keep going hard. See, that's what good, I'm saying. Good man. Good oh, man. yeah. Me too. Brian says the triple nipple is still eluding him. And yeah, you know, got to see it. Does this open the door for a slow piper? <laughs> um, <laughs> can't have that. All right. Nobody guys, can have that. All guys, right. we, have a, we, have a, we, have a, we have one minute left by rules of, of many things. What's one takeaway, one final takeaway from this? Uh, don't stop seeing fish. I think they close out an incredibly strong year of fish with uh, an amazing show on the 29th and a legendary show on the 31st and some great moments on the 28th and 30th. And uh, I'm excited as hell for 2024 fish. Fish is the best band on the planet. They love us and they love to make us happy. And for a band in its 41st year, they delivered incredibly hard this year and they have big plans for next year. The Sphere, we've got a festival, I think 24, even though it's an even year, maybe it'll beat the odds and be great. What phrasing. Andrew Duddy, though, chasing a six waves. That is, that is the next thing on deck. Hell yeah. Or a wave. Fish figuring out a way to play over an hour. I don't care what song it is. I don't care. It's going to be an hour long, like 60 minute drift while you're sleeping and I will be happy. (laughs) Will you though? That would if be they do it, it's going to be like, if they do it, it's going to be like bouncing or something. I swear. Um, yeah. I would guys for, for, a, so for someone who is so famously forward looking, I'm still like really shocked that, that Trey particularly like went for this that to go back, back and, and like res there's the one when people, I had people here who were not fish fans on New Year's Eve. And what I, the way I described it was this is the thing that fish fans most want to see and have most wanted to see for 30 years. Yeah. And like yeah. the yeah. fact that they, A, yeah. did what the fans want as opposed to what they want, or, or maybe it aligned, but also that they looked back that much. They just don't do that very much. And I think that's the most notable thing. And it was, it worked so perfectly. I, I mean, I don't, agreed. I don't think that they looked back like this since the New Year's Eve 2013 show where they set up yeah. on that truck mm-hmm. and they yeah. played with hockey sticks as mic stands and they played on their old gear and they played yeah. all 80s songs, yeah. early 90s songs. Like this is not a, this is a very rare thing. You're absolutely right. And I think, yeah, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like I kind of got to a point where it's just like, they're never going to play it and that's okay. Like that was yeah. a pass. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they never needed yeah. to bring this back, but the fact that they thought, the fact that they did it, um, one yeah. of my best friends was at this show and I don't want to say how many shows he's been to because people are going to get pissed at him because it's not a lot. And he had very good seats. Yeah, but he was texting me. Tell us. Just tell us. <laughs> he, 
he was texting me during the show. This is my third and, show. Oh my God. Uh, kind of like that. And he was texting me and he was like, man, I wish you were at this. And you know, I was doing the, I, I'm okay. I'm fine. Um, but he was like, people are crying around me. He was like, what the fuck is going on? People are crying. And I was like, yeah, like to RJ's point, this is what fish fans have been asking for for 30 years. And the band gave it to them. It's I would, so great. I would yeah, also just pitch in that it's not just looking back, though. This was a new creation. This is also like, you know, bringing it into the now. Totally. Just looking back. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, exactly. definitely. Totally. Okay. That's such, that's a really yeah. good point. They didn't Wait, just they play, didn't play the 93, like 94 set. version. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Yeah. Which so, I think is so fish. So fish. Brian, according to our schedule, we are going to have a brand new episode next week. I can't wait. And we are going to start <laughs> start talking about our our we're going to start talking about the the 25 top 25 tours of all time. We have a few um episodes coming your way and then we are going to get into the top 25 tours of all time. I actually have a suggestion for next week's show because we're going to choose a show and I have a suggestion but we, we already have wait until we then. already have a episode planned for next week. We're we're going to have to talk about the spreadsheet. Okay. The, ske- the schedule is already made. All right, next week, get, we, we talk about this on the on the uh, textual. Like nobody needs to hear this kind of stuff. No, they do. They want to know how the sausage is made. Well, Everyone's can I just here. say because this is I'm very excited about next week's episode because this is my my creation. We are going to do oh, a yeah. fish year draft. Oh right, we're going to oh right. yeah, going I'm to draft our favorite fish years and explain why we're drafting them. And we are you. It's going to be so much fun. We are going to come up with a list of six years that are our years, that are that are the years that we covet more than any others. But someone might steal your favorite year. Someone might yeah. draft 97 before Megan. Anybody someone might draft, who take 97 from me, I will cut you. Someone might take ah. 2003 from me. RJ yeah, might lose 1991, his favorite year in fish history. Nobody better take it. <laughs> The suspense. So that is guys, it's happening. Really fun. Love you guys. Doing a bracket. Have a good night. Have a good year. Happy New Year. Have a good everything. Bye. Osiris. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. What's up, everyone? It's Joe, and I'm the host of That's Awesome with Joe, a podcast on the newly formed Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. I talk with tons of your favorite artists, managers, touring personnel, and more. Most of the time we talk about music, but lots of the time we end up talking about something completely unrelated. We laugh a lot. We do a lot of really stupid things, but also some things that are really informative and interesting. Basically, it's a podcast that I think you should listen to. Obviously, I'm biased because it's my podcast, but I think I might be into it if I wasn't the host. Check it out at SoundTalentMedia.com.